Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Challoner. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating those people who keep this country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisations and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, then please do go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Now, each week on this show, I'm joined by a different leadership figure from the world of business, education, politics, sports, or even from local communities in the aim of truly discovering who those people are that get up every morning and make this country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK and discuss everything from surviving a business scare to looking after your hair on this week's episode. And of course, the success in the innovation that makes it all worthwhile in the end. Um, On today's programme, I am delighted to be joined by Janice Levy, Creative Director at Hair Development UK, the longest established human hair extension and replacement expert in the country. The business itself has been around since 1960, and Janice first became involved with the company in 2002, which followed over 20 years of working in show business as both a model and actor. Um, Janice and the company's managing director, Mark Burns, who are cousins, have taken the helm of the company and seen the business grow to the next level having both trained for many, many years under the guidance and expertise of Stanley Levy, the company founder and industry pioneer, who sadly is no longer with us. Um, Without further ado then, everyone, let's welcome Janice onto the programme. Janice, welcome. Oh, Scott, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be your guest today. Thank you. And hello, everybody. Um, thank you, Janice, for joining us. It's um, a real pleasure having you um, on the programme. Um, now, um, the struggles of the hair and beauty industry, I suppose, have been very well documented during uh, the last sort of 14 months. And um, I would like to understand to what extent your business has been affected during that time. But first and foremost, I think it's good to just have a little bit look at the um, sort of years before then, because business has been around since 1960. You've been involved with it since 2002. So a lot of history there, particularly family history for you. Oh, absolutely. My my late father, Stanley Levy of Blessed Memory, um, he was a hairdresser when he began, when he was 16 years old, trained in Knightsbridge, styled the hair of royalty and movie stars, was then sent to Paris to complete his training. And when he came back, um, he married my mother, Irene, and they opened their first place of business in Mile End Road, East London. We're still in Mile End Road today, although we have number of properties along the the road and moved around quite a bit but it's so interesting how he started out because there was a little hairdressers in um, Allgate that was closing down it's where Vidal Sassoon was trained and my father bought all the wig making equipment for the value of uh, the equivalent rather of about five pounds and he bought himself a 1932 book from an antique shop called The Art and Craft of Hairdressing and was self-taught But my father grew to be so incredibly respected in the industry, so many um, pioneering revolutionary techniques that he created and can be seen around the world today. So he literally dragged the industry kicking and screaming into the 21st century. He was a wonderful man. He was honest and fair and kind and generous, especially with his time as well as his knowledge. And my cousin, Mark Burns, who is the managing director of hair development, and I trained under my father for many, many years. And since daddy passed, 
Mark and I have taken the helm of the business and we are actually seeing it going to new heights, having been, I guess, the wind beneath the wind, the wings of the industry for so long. It seems as though we are finally stepping center stage and it's a really good feeling and I hope that my father is looking down and aware of it. Sorry, it's really um, emotional. Oh, I'm, Sorry, I'm sure God. he's incredibly proud, Janice, of what yourself and Mark have managed to do with the business. And I suppose especially for your efforts over the previous 14 months as well, because I can imagine it has been an unprecedented time for you. Um, absolutely, Scott. Yeah. So, Would you like me to enlarge on that? Absolutely, yeah, feel free. Yeah, okay. So we know that in times of recession in the past, you know, before anything like this pandemic was ever anything in anybody's mind, the businesses that always seemed to be okay were places where you could go and eat because everybody has to eat. And then you would make yourself look good. So you would get your hair done or your nails, maybe not go on holiday or go to the theater. But during all recessions in the past, our industries um, of self-care and food were always safe, obviously, until now. So, so the pandemic obviously hit everybody terribly and Thankfully, the UK is emerging from this abyss, pretty much like a phoenix, I guess. But with our industry, the government very generously um, funded 80% of of um, payment to a salary to the staff. Mark decided that we, as a company, would take their salaries to 100%. Mm. We wanted our staff to feel safe. We wanted them to not have to worry and that they would have a job at the end of this. And thankfully, since April the 12th, we are all back together. And very sadly, a lot of people that we knew in the industry have closed down. But we are very busy um, in the fact that so many more people are coming to us now at Hair Development knowing that we are literally one of the very few people who can get the goods to them, the hair replacement, the hair systems, the extensions, the uh, laser hair regrowth therapy. Um, yes, there is a bit of a weight, much more than usual. Normally, in our warehouse, we would carry huge, huge amounts of stock, but pretty much everything has flown out. Now we're starting to get our deliveries back each day, and um, we just want everybody to, to feel okay and know that we are here from them, for them as we've always been over the decades. So, yes, of course, it's been such an incredibly tragic time for so many people, but um, hopefully we're all coming together again and as a nation we can heal and help each other along the way. And I think certainly since the sector has come back um, with, of course, um, the government's roadmap out of social restrictions, we're seeing that people being able to go to their local salons again and basically have their hair done to look good again. It's having a real impact on people's self-esteem, mental health and general well-being. And in some ways, I suppose, salons have become a hugely important sort of social hub for their communities, haven't they? Absolutely, Scott. I mean, it's always been known in the past that people would go to the, the hair salon and have a chat. And it almost was always, unbeknownst to most in the business as a type of therapy, really. The, the wonderful thing about the business, and it's something that my, my father, Zedel, always always used to say, was that the thing about this business is you, you have the ability to restore people's self-confidence and make them feel good. They will come in, and when they leave hair development, they will look better and they will feel better. Because with hair loss, 
the thing about it is, of course, it can affect anybody. I mean, we get people who come into us who are literally almost suicidal. And when they leave, they feel good. So we had a lot of people during the pandemic that were honestly, literally Scott beside themselves. So Mark sent out, um, he sent out essential products that they absolutely needed desperately to get by um, without any cost to them. We just did this to them so they could get by until they could come into us again. Um, I think that there is a huge amount uh, with relevance to mental health, which is something obviously we hear about all the time. But yes, with hair, because whether people have been through chemotherapy, um, alopecia, androgenetic alopecia, which causes um, 95% of male hair loss, um, whatever it is, and of course the sensitivity to hydrotestosterone, which a lot of men are sensitive to without even realizing it, whether it's people that just want more hair because everybody wants beautiful hair. And um, we also supply a lot of movies and celebrities. Obviously, it's a very discreet business. We can't say exactly who, but you know, if you watch the Oscars or the Pastors or the Emmys or the Golden Globes, you will more often than not see hair development hair which is um, brought in from the stylists of these big stars. So we do wholesale and retail. We wholesale around the world and around the UK. Whatever kind of hair loss a person is experiencing, in a non-surgical manner, we will look after it. The one tricky thing in this business, which not a lot of people know about, but I do think it's important to mention it, if I may, is that with a surgical hair transplant, um, a lot of people are not told that the hair will be taken from the back of the head, which is a completely different texture from the hair at the front of their head. They will get small implants, even if they're done a hair at a time, not realizing that all the hair around that area will, of course, go as well. And then they're left with little patches of just little tiny little pieces of hair in a, in a sea of baldness. The other thing is that with all the medications that men in particular have to take during this treatment. One of them they found out quite recently, it was just before lockdown, finasteride, which is um, specifically for prostate enlargement. Um, it is a hormone therapy too for trans women. That can cause um, a man's or a trans woman's libido to, to just go. It's just gone. And the thing with hair development is that we do guarantee that a person will have a full head of hair, whether that is through our laser hair therapy. It's hair regrowth therapy, which in 80% of our clients causes their hair to grow back. It's just an incredible thing where it stimulates the blood vessels and um, just gets everything going again that, that was once lost. Um, whether it's that or whether it's a non-surgical hair replacement system, we will guarantee a full hair of head. Hair of head, Scott, Head of hair, <laughs> please excuse me. I get so carried away sometimes. I have such a passion for this business, I have to say. Um, the one thing that has always given the business a not very good name is that when people can tell if somebody's wearing a hair system. But the thing is, and something my father Stanley always used to say, and Mark and I say all the time is, we provide undetectable hair replacement systems and nobody but you would know because you cannot look at somebody wearing one and say, that looks so good I can't even tell because you literally can't my father was on live television on ITV on the six o'clock show some years ago being interviewed face to face by Danny Baker who said so Mr. Levy 
or rather, <clears throat> so Mr. Levy, what are you going to do when you go bald? And my father said, what do you mean if? And on live television, he had arranged a hair system on. He said that could be removed because otherwise they can't be unless they, they come into us. And Danny Baker, Baker was on the floor speechless, probably for the first time in his life, completely gobsmacked. This is to the naked eye, up close and personal. If it's an undetectable hair replacement system, and I will say from hair development because I can't speak for anybody else. Actually, I can because we supply a lot of the great people out there. You can't tell, Scott. You just you just mm. wouldn't know. It's amazing, isn't it, what sort of the latest innovations in the industry can do and yeah. the impact it can yeah. have on well-being. Um, and just while we're on sort of the mental health and well-being topic, um, how has sort of well-being as a whole held up within the company at this time, would you say? Because I can imagine there have been one or two anxious faces over the last 14 months, especially so within yeah. the early weeks of lockdown. Oh, absolutely. Well, the, the thing about our company is, um, we're a family-run company. Mark and I are cousins, and we have a lot of family members working in the company. But the other thing about us is the, pe- the other people that work for us that may not be flesh and blood related become like a family because once somebody comes to us, they very rarely ever leave until they retire. And we've been around for more than 60 years, so this is a point that has been proven. So we very much care for the staff and their well-being. This is why Mark took their salaries up to 100%. Um, we're on the phone 24-7, not only for the staff, but for our clients too. And that that goes, there's no time limit for that. So we, we had a WhatsApp group. We all kept in touch regularly. And thank goodness, everybody came through it safely, came through the pandemic safely. And um, it really is a joy to just all be back together again. It, it really is, Scott. And when it comes to sort of your own well-being as well, um, I understand that for a lot of business leaders, it can be so, so easy, can't it, to sort of get sucked into the survival mode mentality and make sure that you're looking after everybody else. And sometimes that can mean that you kind of neglect yourself at times. And we have been speaking a lot um, at the Leaders' Council lately about the impact of CEO burnout on business leaders. So for yourself personally, Janice, have you felt that you've been able to sort of take a step back and recharge the batteries as and when you've needed to as well? Well, for me, recharging my batteries, pretty much all it takes is a cup of tea, a custard cream and something on Netflix. Mm. And I'm not saying that lightly or flippantly. It's actually true because I think that we all as a whole, as a nation and maybe even globally have to look at the good the fact that we've all come through this and we are alive, of course, that is the most important thing. Um, for me to recharge my own batteries, my father passed away just a little over a year before the pandemic started. So I was already in a period of mourning for my father. So um, I, I hadn't been out or listened to music or done anything at all, as is uh, in my religion. This is this is the way we a child mourns a parent. So. You know, I wasn't out all the time singing and dancing and anything like that. So there, there was not, literally nothing that I missed. All I wanted was to keep my family safe, my daughter and my mother, and and Mark and the family and the business, um, and make sure that our clients knew that we would be there for them. So 
for me to recharge my batteries, I'm certainly not craving a foreign holiday right now. I mean, it's mm. pretty much enough to literally go to Starbucks in the high street. It's, it's almost like a mini break at this point, I think. And I just think that, you know, step by step and little by little, everything is coming back and God willing, we will all be that great nation once again. We are a very, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? <laughs> I, 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 maybe like a stalwart. Our country, we are hardy, aren't we? Mm. We Brits, I think. I think that's the way we are. And I think that um, that's what we're leading towards. I mean, I must say there have been, of course, some, um, some rather difficult, points um mm. perhaps in in the area where we are because i've had some problems with um the council let's say things that have been going on over the years where i certainly couldn't point my finger at anything in particular but difficulties in things that we've tried to do and have been denied whereas our neighboring mm. businesses have been able to be given the green light and not us and it certainly does make you wonder you know is this a level playing field out there or not. I mean, the thing with us is we are opening another location uh, later in the year in, in Essex. We have hubs now in Los Angeles and Australia, but we won't ever leave the East End of London when all other businesses maybe 30, 40 years ago were leaving when they could, when they had the opportunity to. My father wouldn't leave for the reason because he would not take the jobs away from the locals who worked for us. That's the kind of man he was, and that's why we're still there today. And just sort of expanding upon that a little bit, um, much has been made, hasn't it, of how businesses have been supported, especially during the last 14 months, because there was a great deal of controversy over the Financial Conduct Authority having to force mm -hmm. insurers to pay up business interruption cover. There were many campaigns, including hashtag chop the vat and save our salons to try and get the industry on a level VAT playing field with the hospitality sector to help businesses. Um, and then also you've had a few issues of your own with the local authority as well. Um, do you feel that over the course of the last 14 months and perhaps a little bit before that, that you have been well supported and well guided on the whole? I think the government has been brilliant. I, I really do. I think they've been exceptionally generous. I remember going to a couple of hustings um, and a couple of um, the SSB um, meetings before the election of uh, December 19, mm. where I met the then Chancellor Savid and I actually think Rishi's been doing a great job. I think the government has been really very, um, very good with everybody in the sense of um, loans to businesses, funding, and obviously those furloughed salaries taking those to eighty percent. I mean, I think there are things that you know, if I if I was in government, I perhaps would have done differently. I think I would have closed the borders instantly, like New mm. Zealand did, and I think I would have um, definitely not spoken about. Um, a full release of everything, social distancing, masks and everything else before we vaccinate all of our own people because the young people haven't been vaccinated yet. The 18 to 20, well, the 18 to 25 now haven't been. And I think until they are, I, I don't know why they would consider opening everything up, to be honest with you, you know, as frustrated as, as everybody is. I think that if they were to wait just a little while longer, you know, that might be really, truly very beneficial for everybody in the long run. 
I think um, what's important to sort of consider on that side of things there as well is that um, the roadmap for lifting social restrictions has today, as we record this on June the 14th, 2021, been delayed. Of course, the plan was for all social restrictions to have been removed on the 21st of June, and that's now been pushed back four weeks to July the 19th. Um, It does, of course, allow for greater time for the vaccination programme to take effect and to, of course, protect the younger demographic, absolutely. But does it throw up a little bit of an extra challenge for businesses just for that little while longer do you think i don't think that the extra four weeks will be particularly challenging for for our business because where we're located in in the east end of london um we have all separate cubicles for everybody this is a very discreet business we have a training academy where we're doing one-on-one right now until we do and then we only ever do small classes anyway we'll leave the classes for the time being and we're just doing the one-on-one I think, I think that for the young people, I think that's the most difficult thing of all because they haven't had the experiences that they have needed in their schools and universities. They've all done incredibly well. Actually, sends shivers down my spine how strong the young people have been, and I do admire them tremendously. Um, but um, for, for the actual business and for what we need to do, and for our manufacturing side, our creating and our designing. Um, and our techniques, um, that, that won't put a stop to that because through the lockdown last year anyway, for the initial lockdown, Mark and I worked really hard um, over Zoom um, just bettering the product that we did and actually coming up with And Mark has um, created a VIP stock system in men's hair replacement, which he has named after my father. It's called Legend. SL. Mm. It has the advantages of the bespoke unit without the weight. So um, that's doing incredibly well. And of course, we have a new extension system out with, of course, not a lot of people know a lot about extensions, but, but these, this particular product we're bringing out has no heat, no adhesive, no tape, no chemicals. It literally is one of a kind. So everybody can have more beautiful hair instantly without any damage whatsoever to their own hair. And, and I must say that if I could just touch on one thing about my former, well, I say my former career, um, I, I, was a, I was a model and an actress for many, many years. I was, um, I guess I was best known as being the Cadbury's Flake girl mm. on television in the Sunflower Field, which was the longest running Cadbury's Flake out of all time. They all ran for three years, mine ran for nine but still, when they, they call upon me even now to do documentaries, anything to do with chocolate, anything to do with TV ads, it is known as, I guess, the most, well, this is what they say, Scott, not me, the most iconic ads of all time mm. are the flake adverts. They've been running since 1959. The point I'm getting to is I think I'm in a very unusual position of knowing how it feels to be made to look fabulous for the stage or screen or television because that flake ad led to a, contract with NBC in Hollywood where I lived and worked in television for more than 14 years but to know what it's like on that side of the camera and to know how it feels when you are made to look fabulous (laughs) this is when you're not running around the trailer in in rollers and no makeup and like singing standards of Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. with the likes of Richard Chamberlain and Kay Dunaway these are things that I have done in my life 
But now to be on the other side, to be able to make people feel good and to have this sort of innate understanding is a, is a wonderful thing. And, and the other incredible thing is that Mark, my cousin and my business partner, he and my father had a wonderful business relationship. It was just beautiful, actually, to, to behold, if you will. So I know that my, my dear daddy has left the business in very safe hands. And I'm very thankful for that. It certainly seems so. And um, we've talked an awful lot about, of course, Stanley's expertise and his influence on yourself as a person and also the teamwork that uh, yourself and Mark um, are putting into this and the relationship that you have. Would you say um, that maybe experiences and the people that you've met during your career, um, especially, of course, in Stanley's case, have really helped sort of shape you into the leader that you are today? pretty much every show out there, you know, from I'm a celebrity to Strictly and whatever, because when I was on the Des O'Connor show, I remember him introducing me as the most famous face on television whose name you don't know. Because back then, you know, I mean, I used to get recognized all the time, but nobody knew my name. I was just the girl in the flake head. You know, if there hadn't been Instagram in those days, who knows what could have happened. But, um, but, the, but it's, it's good. I mean, I still get recognized today. I was in a boutique the other day and I had my mask on and this chap said, excuse me, were you a model? Didn't you do a hair show like in 1981 or something? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and yeah, and he said, it was Redkin. I said, that's right. We shot it at an airport. And he recognized me. And I think the reason mm. he recognized me is because I still have all that red curly hair that I had in the play tag. I still have it. So the thing about redheads is we are the last to go grey. So mm. luckily, I have never had to use hair dye, which is, which is, you know, easy. I'm very easy to maintain, shall I say. Oh, no, well, maybe I'm terribly, terribly high maintenance in some departments, but not with my hair. So people still do recognize me today mm. from that ad. And I think it's because of these documentaries that go out quite often. Mm. There was one out a couple of weeks ago, I shot for Channel 5 called inside the chocolate factory it's all about the history of Cadbury's very very interesting but um yes definitely I think the things that have shaped me into the person I am today are first and foremost my parents because Mm. um they brought me up with always having time for me and always teaching me that it's very important to be aware of the sensitivity of others and aware of the way other people are feeling, because it's just not all about you. I remember my mother saying to me when I was very, very young and just starting out in the world of modeling, don't drink, don't do drugs, at which point I said, okay, mummy, and I never did either. So it was it was just very easy. I just, my parents were always great friends. My mother is still one of my best friends. My other one is my daughter. And having a wonderful, strong family around me um, that have always been there for me and being in the business I'm in and having the adventures and the the experiences that I've had specifically in Los Angeles because in Los Angeles, everybody is equal. And by that, I mean that everybody there is either beautiful, rich or famous because everybody is there for pretty much the same thing so you could be waiting a table one week and be in a have the leading role in a movie the next. 
it's very much a, a sort of an equal thing over there. Nobody ever gets mobbed. Stars don't get mobbed over there like they might do here. So that's a good thing. And um, I think that just, you know, becoming a parent and realizing that I'm a totally responsible person now, um, all this has contributed to the, I say the girl I am today because everybody still refers to me as the Cadbury's Flake girl. Mm. So, you know, rather than woman, I think. I, I think I prefer that moniker, girl, for some reason. But, yes, I think I have a um, a very deep understanding and an awareness of how others feel. And I just want to be able to make people feel better about themselves. And I just want our our country to be okay. I think that's right. And um, I think it's interesting that you do use the word girl there, because I think at heart we are all young, aren't we? And I do also quite like um, how you said earlier, you're not sort of going grey yet, because the last 14 months, I suppose, have been enough to sort of make anybody tear their hair out or go grey, let's say. Um, And thinking back and sort of looking over such a sort of tempestuous period as we have had, um, do you feel that maybe this experience albeit maybe a bit of an ordeal, has also taught you quite a lot and helped you sort of develop as a person as well? Well, I have to say that I read a lot of stories in the papers and magazines about how people have done these incredible things during lockdown, like they've learned a language or they've taken up some kind of dancing or yoga. I mean, I haven't actually done anything like that, Scott. All I've wanted is, um, like I um, mentioned earlier, is just to keep my family safe and to make sure that the business comes through at the other end. So for myself, for my own personal, I guess, my personal growth, um, it's nothing that I could sort of point out and say, you know, I can now play my ukulele rather than leaving it in the back of the cupboard. Just bless it. I do have to get it out at some point and try and learn it. This is from all the Hawaiian holidays we took as a family over the over the years. My father loved Hawaii. So I guess... Um, my daughter is about to graduate university, so I'm incredibly proud about that. And my mother is well. My mother is brokenhearted because, excuse me, sorry, because she and my father were married for 58 years when we lost him. Mm. But she's, she's well. Her health is well. And Mark and his wife and his parents and the rest of our family are all good, and so are my very best friends. I have learned that we all need far, far less than we ever thought perhaps we did. I think if you reflect and perhaps look back to, let's say the 1950s, when the country had come out of the war, and if you imagine a lady at home baking a cake and the absolute joy you can get out of something that is quite small, I think we all realise that we don't need 50 different dresses and we don't need five holidays a year. We 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 do need less than we ever thought. The, the, the way I think is, before the pandemic, I felt as if the world were somehow spinning out of control. There seemed to be so much aggression in the world, um, and people demanding more and wanting more. And with all these reality programs that we have, it seemed as though perhaps a lot of the young people were aspiring to for that, mm. you know, rather than the true values in life. So I do hope that, I mean, I guess in the beginning, I felt that maybe people were just happy that they were breathing. And yes, 
everybody wants more. I mean, that's sort of a natural human way of, of, of living. You know, we, we do want more. We want better homes and we want more for ourselves and our families. But with that old, old saying, take time to stop and smell the flowers, I think now more than ever, that's really vital. I think we have to just stop sometimes and take a breath and realize what we do have. I can't believe, Scott, mm. you're making me so emotional, really, through this podcast, because there's so much more to everything now than, than just your business or, you know, whatever it is you're doing. I mean, you know, just sit down quietly sometimes and just take a moment. And, and, I, and I hope so fervently that, that we will all be completely free again um, for our young people more than ourselves, of course. And and I, I just hope and I pray every day that that will happen for us. And I do feel ever so positive that it will because we only have one life, don't we? And they say, you know, it's not a dress rehearsal. We're only here once. Right now, you can't even sort of fulfill that saying in the way that perhaps one might want. But, but hopefully someday soon hopefully so exactly and i think you're very very right in that during this period of self-reflection we've learned an awful lot haven't we we've understood what life is all about again and we've really sort of reviewed an awful lot of the way that we do things especially so our working practices and sort of just linking that to the ongoing covid situation um you've discussed as well um janice that um your business operates in quite a sort of discreet way and Mm -hmm. do you think that some of the practices brought in during the covid period such as sort of reduced capacity mask wearing sanitizing stations do you think all of this is likely to remain in the long term i don't know about the long term i can't see myself ever going into a public bathroom again without whipping a mask out of my bag because somehow that seems to make sense and um i'm still wearing a mask scott I mean, I, I put one on in March of 2020 and I literally haven't taken it off since. I mean, I put one on in the beginning when nobody else was wearing them and I would be in Marks and Spencers and getting very strange looks from the ladies at the till. And I didn't really care at that point. And um, I hope they do away with them because especially in this heat wave that we're not used to, it is very difficult and it is very steamy under there, isn't it? But I think that for certain situations, I think that perhaps they will be necessary, perhaps on aeroplanes. I mean, all this um, sanitizing and such is, is nothing new to me because whenever I used to go on holiday over the years, I always sanitized the seats and the table and the, you know, the little remote control for your movies. So I was always very aware of that from many, many years ago. So I think that, that the way we have been living over the past year has been somewhat second nature to me. Um, I don't know if that's because I'm a redhead. It makes you a little bit paranoid because, you know, we're a <laughs> bit of a funny bunch. You know, we, we make our own vitamin D and we have, um, we need 20% more anesthetic. We feel pain more and cold more. And perhaps, as you've seen over the past 40 minutes, emotions more as well. So um, I hope that they, I'm not wearing gloves anymore, by the way. Yes, I was wearing I was wearing rubber gloves on my travel for rather a long time, but I'm not. So I've sort of come out of that. But I think that in some situations, yes, one might have to wear a mask. 
but I think that to have the absolute wonderful freedom of um, being able to be close to each other and hugging and kissing and, you know, partying and all these things that, especially, again, our young people have missed out on over the last year, I hope that all comes back for them and then for us. Because that, of course, is a very vital point of living, is being together. I think that's very right. And I think we do really need to hold that close to our hearts as we move out of social restrictions and hopefully out of lockdown. And what do you feel that your industry as a whole can expect over the uh, the months and weeks to come? Because consumer confidence and eagerness to go back out there and get your hair done, make yourself feel good, that certainly seems to still be there. There isn't necessarily that anxiety about safety that people maybe suspected there might be. Well, um, we we had the uh, the local government um, and the I think it's called the COVID nineteen safety some kind of a department who has visited us twice and given us a one hundred percent safety certificate for um, the way that our premises are arranged. Mark um, redid everything um, at the very beginning and then redid it again so that people can feel one hundred percent safe when they are with us. Of course, our cubicles, as I said earlier, are individual. So in the hair salons, they're not. But you know, you go in for a, um, you to get your hair done and to get a, a, a blow dry. And even if you're getting extensions, uh, this is not sort of a long thing anymore. We sell these products for hair extensions where a whole head can be completed in under 45 minutes. You could literally be at Waitrose for longer and be surrounded by so many more people. So I, I don't really understand, to be honest with you, why they put these enormous restrictions on hair salons. Um, you could be on a train for longer than half an hour, you know, and have people around you. Everybody's in masks. I went to get my hair done a couple of weeks ago, and it was just, oh, it was wonderful. I felt like I was on holiday. It was so lovely. And everybody is really caring for each other in a wonderful way. And also, I guess, when you think about it, when you're in a restaurant and you take your mask off and you're eating and chatting away, everybody is, you know, that's allowed. And yet in the hair salons still, you have to wear your mask and have your individual cubicles. I mean, now they're actually individual rooms. I'm talking about a hair salon where they just have a partition in between the chairs. But in what to expect over the next few months, I think it will be perhaps another six months before it is back to the way it was pre-pandemic. And in that, I mean, if you want a specific order for something, we keep an enormous warehouse, like I said, filled, which is slowly, gradually filling up again. But we also do a lot of custom-made orders, which normally only take a few weeks, and now they're taking longer because of restrictions on so many countries all over the world. Um, I think by... Well, we're, we're almost in July, aren't we? It's amazing how the time is racing. But I think by, by the new year, everything will be back as it was, um, which is a lovely thing to, to look forward to. And until then, I think um, everybody just has to remain calm and patient. I mean, really, on the whole, most people have been ever so patient, haven't they? Mm. Which, is, which is lovely because there has been an enormous amount of respect for one another not in every situation, of course, and not with everybody. But 
I think the um, majority have been behaving as is expected from the government compared to other people. I think that's very right. Without going into too many details. Um, Council, please listen to me for once and give me a yes rather than a no when you give our neighbours a yes on so many levels. Absolutely right. And just looking at your business now, Hair Developments UK, just over the course of the next year, as hopefully we do sort of move out of lockdown and um, we sort of see that vision really take effect. Where ideally would you like the business to be this time in 2022, just before we wrap things up? Okay. Um, Well, what I would like to see is everything back to normal. And um, we were... Um, traveling around the country, also giving training in salons with our training academy because we have training in hair extensions and we have training for hair replacement. And we have a wonderful new training program called Life After the Beard, specifically um, designed for barbers, so that when 75% of their clients will lose their hair, and they will, they won't have to go elsewhere to look for help. The clients will be able to stay with their barber because we will train them in the art of hair replacement. So we hope to be able to be traveling again for that because obviously we haven't been able to. It's all still been one-on-one at the moment at our training academy. So whether they come to us or whether we send our specialists around the UK, hopefully that will all um, come into fruition once again. We hope that our new location in Essex, we were supposed to open before lockdown. Obviously it had to be put on hold. So hopefully that will come into fruition. and. and the other thing is, um, when I mentioned before that we were always the wind beneath the wings of the industry, what I meant by that, mm. and sorry if I didn't enlarge on it, is that we have always created, designed, branded, and manufactured for very, very big names in the business. Sort of been in the wings ourselves, um, been a stalwart in the industry, but since Daddy passed, it seems as though we have this guiding light and we are stepping centre stage. So we were so honoured to be approached by the House of Lords to be a best practice in their parliamentary review. Um, it was never anything we thought out for ourselves. It, it came to us. And also with our um, new innovation, um, we were um, up for an award for that with the FSB. We recently won uh, another best hair replacement company in the UK. And all these things seem to have been happening, and it seems as though... After literally decades, hair development are stepping out from the wings and we have created um, a brand now for ourselves rather than just for other people. We will always do it for other people, but we have a new brand, which is very exciting, called HD Elite, um, which we are launching as we speak. So um, in a year, I just hope that we are still together and thriving and making my father proud and back to where we were and maybe then some, if I might say that, that would be lovely. It would be, and it seems like there is some real excitement on the horizon for hair developments, Janice. So I really wish you all the best in sort of making that vision a reality and bringing that to life. And I think as we start to see sort of how the picture's starting to develop over the course of the year, the next year, and how the industry is faring, I'd love to welcome you back onto the show with us to catch up because it's been a real eye opener having you with us today, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I must say. Oh, Scott, that's so lovely. I'd be 
so honoured to do this again. Anytime you like, I'll be there for you. And I just want to thank you for your time and your patience and and asking me to be a guest because it, it really has been ever so enjoyable. You're lovely to speak to. So thank you ever so much. Thank you, Janice. And I'm sure the listeners share my sentiment that it's been a real eye-opening experience welcoming you onto the show with us. And just since we're not quite out of the woods yet with the whole COVID situation, please do continue to take care and stay safe with all that's still going on in the world as well. Thank you so much, Scott. And you too. Stay safe and look after yourself and, and yours. I was speaking today to Janice Levy, Creative Director at Hair Developments UK, and I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Until next time, now that indoor hospitality has returned, I'm heading back to my usual spot in the Westminster Arms to raise a glass to outstanding leadership and hopefully over the coming weeks we'll keep taking further strides toward normal life. Remember everyone, please do continue to look after yourselves and be considerate of others because it makes such a difference in preserving lives. Take care now, we are almost there. Goodbye.